Hi, welcome to Pop Reels. I'm your host, Nia, and on today's episode, I'll be covering Spiral, which came out in 2021 by director Darren Lynn Bowsman and writers Josh Stolberg and Pete Goldfinger. The plot summary for Spiral is as follows. Working in the shadow of his father, Samuel L. Jackson, an esteemed police veteran, Brash detective Ezekiel Zeke Banks, played by Chris Rock, and his rookie partner, Max Mihella, take charge of a grisly investigation into murders that are eerily reminiscent of the city's gruesome past. Unwittingly entrapped in a deepening mystery, Zeke finds himself at the center of the killer's morbid game. Just a heads up, this episode will be more of a coffee chat. I don't think this film needs much of a deep dive. It is a soft spinoff series, so I feel like we kind of were expecting it does need this deep analysis. Primarily for the cast of this film, we have Chris Rogg playing Detective Zeke Banks, Max Minhella playing William Shank, and if you notice Max but can't place it, he is in Handmaid's Tale. Samuel Jackson, who plays who plays uh, Zeke's father, Marcus Banks, and Marisol Nichols, who plays Captain Angie Garza, whom you may know her as the mom of Veronica on the show Riverdale. Jigsaw? I thought the Jigsaw killer was dead. He is. Frank, there are hours, not days. How could I catch this guy? If there's nobody on the bus, I can trust! You can't do this alone. This has another motive. Something personal. Spiral came out to theaters on May 14th, and being a fan of the Saw films, I was excited to see it opening day. The trailer looked promising, and hello, Samuel Jackson in a horror film? I was already there. I was more than willing to spend money on a ticket plus snacks. Also, we don't get to see Chris Rock in serious roles outside his usual comedy route. So what did I think about this film? Let's just say I was hopeful, but when the theater lights came back on, I left and I wasn't the happiest camper. I do want to start this off by saying this film would have been better as a at-home viewing via like HBO Max or Prime or any of those other channels. Showing it in theaters, in my opinion, wasn't needed. It wasn't like this amazing score or sound. It wasn't... um the visuals weren't so amazing. You had to see it in this super ridiculous definition and on the big silver screen. Um, and if you haven't seen it yet, please take my word for it and wait for it to hit your home screens. I do like how the film started off. I liked the opening scene. I liked the uh, the trap that was set. I thought it was pretty cool and interesting. But what I did notice kind of right off the bat was this trap kind of reminded me of the the first girl that like took apprenticeship under Jigsaw and she was making these traps that were not escapable. And that's what this reminded me of. And I didn't like that aspect of it because obviously the person can't truly escape if they decide to sacrifice this body part or their image to, you know, escape. And so, yeah, the first trap happens. I'm like, okay, you know, pretty decent start to the to the film. But even, you know what, I'm going to even go back. Even that, the whole, the way it started with, um, there's a detective walking in what looks like a carnival area. And some guy runs up and snatches a woman's purse. And the detective sees it and he chases after him. 
and the guy jumps into a sewer and the detective jumps into the sewer I already was thinking this is a bit much for a detective to be doing to to you know save a bag for a lady and when he gets in the sewer you know he goes so deep in it's just he can't it just didn't make sense to me I, I, I think that uh that motive wasn't good enough for him to be down there and it just there's just too many moving there's too many moving parts in my in my mind for that to logically work in the favor of the killer and so when we after that first trap is over and we move on to we finally see Chris Rock's character I love how it started off it kind of gave me like Ocean's 12 vibes that's what it reminded me of and I liked how we were introduced to his character and I liked the joke that he told in the beginning I liked that it was I thought it was really funny I thought um with the whole Forrest Gump thing I I see his point that it was funny and you know typical Chris Rock fashion I gotta do my joke and in my opinion I don't think the writers of the film wrote that I think that was Chris Rock truly just freestyling like oh man I had this amazing thing to do for the opening scene I got it let me just like flow and do my thing if that's what happened great because it truly worked for the film and when I was in the theater the whole theater was laughing the entire time like oh you know typical Chris Rock as far as the performances from the actors I don't know if it was the writing, I don't know if it was the director, but I, I've i seen majority of these, actually the four main actors, I've seen them all in other roles, just as most of us all have, and I feel like maybe they were limited or they weren't in the direction they were supposed to get, or maybe certain scenes were cut, or maybe we didn't get to see the best scenes that they did. But it just wasn't giving what it was supposed to give, in my opinion. Samuel Jackson, I, I'm not going to besmirch his name. I don't think he did anything wrong in the film. I enjoyed his character. When he was on screen, I think he commanded attention. I think he showed up and did his part justice. Chris Rock, I am happy that he's trying to go into more serious roles and I feel like there were some parts of the film where I'm like, oh man, this is like a really good scene he did. And there were other scenes where it felt like, I don't want to say overacting, but it's just the delivery wasn't there. Or maybe it should have been like the scene should have been done again. But, or maybe the film itself was rushed. And maybe I'm just giving excuses. I'm not sure. I'm just going off of me watching this film one time and it just wasn't, I just, it just wasn't what I wanted it to be. And I kept trying to give the film you know, time, you know, well, maybe they'll wrap it up later. Or there'll be a better scene where this will be fine. I think, uh, Max Hill, I think his character is fine. I had no problem with his character or the way that he acts. I think he did a good job. Um, and as far as the captain, Angie, I felt like they didn't give her enough justice of like her character could have been a bit more developed instead of the stereotypical you know I'm a female captain I run a tight ship and you male you men are gonna listen to me I just didn't like that stereotype that, that they gave her I think that they should have gave her a little bit more respect and let her do the role a bit differently so this film marks the first time we don't have Tobin Bell as Jigsaw and I don't think he that we had to have him in there because more of a not a continuation of the Saw series, more of a spinoff. And I just I think they could have did just better on how they're trying to lump it together or trying to make it make sense because it wasn't cohesive on top of, you know, I already said spoiler alert, but the fact that we know that Zeke's partner 
new partner is the one that is the killer, his reasoning, it makes sense, but also it was just a bit much of in the final scene when, you know, he's like, oh, you know, you can hit this target and save your dad and I walk away or you can join forces with me. And I was just kind of like, so you're telling me either save my dad's life or join you. Why the hell would I join you and let my father die because he did something wrong or made a bad call in your opinion or in my opinion? He's still my dad. Like, that makes no sense. Clearly, this guy is delusional to to have that thought. And the way that he easily got away, I thought, I just thought, I just didn't like it. It just it didn't flow well. I thought it was stupid. This seemed more like a, you know, this is like a straight to DVD kind of film, you know, and it didn't make sense. You have all these amazing people and you're telling me y'all couldn't get it together and put out a cohesive film. And when I looked on IMDb and I looked at what other people rated it, because I thought, well, maybe I'm being a bit too harsh. Maybe I'm, you know, putting on a film critic hat and I'm not, you know, a certified film critic kind of person. But reading through, a lot of people were saying the same things that I said of, you know, like, what the hell was this? Or, you know, these traps, none of them were how it usually is. And maybe that's kind of the point. And maybe we're not supposed to be comparing Spiral to the Saul franchise because technically it's not the same person. It's a different person. It's not Jigsaw. Anytime we don't have Jigsaw actually setting up these traps and actually grabbing these people for their reason of whatever crimes they did or wrongdoing that they did, it doesn't flow well. There, there, There's like a hiccup. And I'm definitely going to do a little bit more of a deep dive into you know, these other films and what worked and what didn't work and how we got to Spiral. Because in my opinion, with how Spiral came out, I don't need a second one. The only reason I would need a second Spiral is to know what happened to uh, the detective when he got away. Uh, Does he do this again? Is there another murder spree? Or does he end up getting caught and he goes to jail? Zeke is stressed out and a bit of an asshole. His wife is divorcing him and years ago he turned in his old partner as he realized he was a corrupt cop. Though what he did was seemingly right, the rest of the precinct doesn't trust him. Any chance they get, they talk down to him or, you know, pull stupid childish pranks like a rat on his desk. And it got so bad that at one point he was shot while on duty because the closest detectives in his area purposely ignored his call for backup. Understandably, this is why Zeke doesn't trust anyone there and works solo. That is until his captain pairs him with newbie detective William Shank. When a horrific murder happens, which appears to be a copycat jigsaw, eventually the victim is found out to be a fellow detective and friend of Zeke's. It's personal and he doesn't take the news well as they were close. And later on, they found out through packages sent to Zeke that, indeed, the body that was found was his partner. As the murders keep happening, Zeke realizes the killer is only targeting cops, in particular, corrupt cops. I saw where the writers are going with the corrupt cops and police reform. It definitely loops in with current events in our current society. Now, before I forget, there's a citywide heat wave. So throughout the film, everyone is sweaty all the time, you know, unbuttoned shirts and uh, undid ties and 
when at one point when Zeke was talking to the captain, she, you know, reminded him like, hey, I'm going through, I have a, a citywide heat wave going on right now. So like people are acting crazy and things are getting out of hand. There's, there's so much stuff going on. Clearly that is a, you know, foreshadowing of what's of, of the events to come. The first time Samuel L. Jackson's character Marcus appears, he is in Zeke's apartment. In this scene, we learn that the two aren't as close as we would assume, and they don't spend much time together, even though Marcus is technically Zeke's landlord. He truly just stopped by to give his condolences for his fallen friend. Zeke tells his dad they should get dinner some time and later go over his new case. Now, Detective Fitch gets a clue regarding the case and investigates on his own instead of letting Zeke know who is technically the head detective on this case. And this proves to be a mistake when he is ambushed and wakes up in a trap. Now, in this trap, his fingers are locked and ultimately he can't get out. And he's supposed to be able, he's supposed to detach his fingers from this trap, basically losing his fingers and and jump out of this water tank that he's in before he gets, before the water rises and hits this broken electrical line and he would die. Well, he is trying to get out of the trap, but again, it's one of those traps where you cannot get out of it no matter what you do, even if you do decide to sacrifice this, this part of your body and he ends up dying by electrocution. Marcus investigates an abandoned building alone and is taken by the killer. Now, not having heard from his dad, Zeke begins to worry. He gets a call to investigate another possible jigsaw copycat murder, which turns out to be a diversion just to get Captain Garza alone. Now, Garza, who's back at the precinct, had went to go to the evidence room after getting a message that she should go down there and ends up in the killer's trap. She gets knocked out with some type of gas and the door to the, to the, um, to the room is locked. Now, what got me about this scene is before she even entered the door, I noticed that the door to the evidence room looked like a door that you would see at a bank vault with like one of those like uh, hand dials as you would turn. And I thought that that was weird and it wasn't explained. So being how I am, I was thinking, okay, was this precinct an old bank? And then they 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 turned a bank into a a police station, and that's why the evidence room looks more like a vault. It wasn't explained, but that's the only thing that I could make sense of it. She ends up dying by having extremely hot wax poured onto her face, and by the time Zeke reaches her, it's too late. The next body found is that of Zeke's partner, identified by the tattoo of his son's name on his arm. And he's found in a meat shop of sorts, hung up like a pig and stripped down. Now, this is like the most obvious sign that he would that William was indeed the killer since we never saw his abduction or his murder like everyone else's. Later on, Zeke is attacked and wakes up handcuffed to a pipe with a saw next to him. And this is definitely an obvious call back to the first Saw movie. And he tries to use a saw on the handcuffs and the pipe, realizing it's not working and that he's supposed to use a saw on his wrist. And before he actually cuts through, he sees a bobby pin and he uses it to unlock himself and set himself free. After Zeke breaks free, the first task that he has is to decide whether to help his old partner or not. When he steps into the room, his partner is strung up and it looks like it's a glass bottle factory of sorts. 
and the trap seems to be if Zeke is not able to uncuff him or get the, yeah get the key to unlock him, then the shards of glass are going to shoot at shoot out at the sky. And Zeke tries, he finds the key, but by the time he actually gets it unlocked, unfortunately, his old partner dies. And now in the next room, it, he sees that it's his father, and he's tied up and harnessed with his blood slowly draining into these several glasses that are around him. And the obvious killer, again, Will, is revealed. He did all of this to clean up the precinct due to all the bad cops. Now, the witness that Zeke's partner killed happened to be William's father. And William was there that night of the shooting in his room, but he was very quiet and that officer didn't see him. But Zeke did, and Zeke just told him to be quiet and not say anything, trying to protect him. Now, obviously, William remembered that and saw, wow, this guy is a good cop. So not all of them are bad. At least at least some of them are good. So he professes his respect for Jigsaw and the spiral symbol. And he's and comparing the two of them uh, between Jigsaw and William, at least Jigsaw gave people a fighting chance to you know take accountability for what they did and have a fighting chance of some type of salvation you know regarding will he doesn't want that he doesn't want anybody to have a newfound love of life and right their wrongs he wants people to just flat out die you messed up you did an injustice you were a civil servant and you're not serving the people and you're lying on the people and you're falsifying documents you're falsifying evidence you're lying on the stand you deserve to die because you're not doing the one job that you actually signed up for. Will blames Marcus for the cops in the precinct being unlawful due to him being the captain when all of this is going wrong, when all these cops running amok doing all this, this wrong stuff. And so William gives Zeke an ultimatum. He says, you have one bullet left in that gun, so you can, you know, shoot me. Or you can hit that target right there, which will let your father down and you can save him. And obviously, Zeke takes the route of, I want to save my father. The fact that Will gave Zeke the ultimatum of either save your father and let me go or kill me and or take me in and your father dies is stupid. Why would I want to you know, let my father die and join you. That doesn't make any sense. I'm going to choose my father. Look at what you did. You killed my best friend. You killed fellow police officers. You're about to kill my father. So you want me to be like you and have my father gone as well? It doesn't make sense. And no, I don't think William is delusional or crazy. I think Will is completely in control, not in control, but I, I think that I think that William knows exactly what he's doing. I think he is in the right, you know, mind and body. I just think that he believes that Zeke is a kind of person that believes in complete justice. So he's trying to get Zeke to take his father off the pedestal, so to speak, and let just let it go. And obviously Zeke can't. Would you really let your father die or be the person that causes your father's death because of a wrongdoing that he did? You know, even though Marcus wasn't super remorseful for what he did, I don't believe that you would do that to your father. So I think William's logic, let me rephrase, I think the writers thinking that that was a smart way to go. I just, I just didn't care for it. I didn't, I don't really think it really fit, fit, like really fit the movie, 
you know. After Zeke makes a choice to save his father and let William go, despite what his father says, Marcus's body falls to the floor and Zeke goes over to help him. William has a backup trap in mind and it's this line that goes along the door. There's a SWAT team that's coming in. The SWAT team knocks down the door, but they hit the line. And when they hit the line, Marcus's body goes up kind of like a puppet and there's a there's a gun in his arm. And when he lifts his arm, the cops see that obviously it's a threat and they open fire at him. Obviously, this message is not lost on me. I hope it's not lost on others that are seeing this. But the part that just kind of threw me off was, wouldn't these people know that Marcus is an officer? But maybe they maybe they don't. And obviously, they at that moment, they're just seeing him as a black man with a gun and they open fire. And unfortunately, Zeke cannot do anything but sit there and literally watch his father die in front of his eyes while wolves getting away in the elevator did i like this ending fuck no i really dislike this ending i didn't like it at all honestly but you know it is what it is and that's how it ended now honestly since i've seen all the saw movies to me this one's not the best of the saw series but it's definitely not the worst i would give it a four or a five out of ten I think the areas to improve would be the script and maybe the direction, making more of a cohesive uh, film. And in the past, Saw films, I'm not saying they're all perfect and amazing. You know, we I think the first two or three were solid and the other ones were pretty decent. And again, you may think this film was amazing. If you like the Saw series, I think this is, it's nice because, you know, you get you get to be put back into that world again. But I think this film leaves the fan desiring more. But it's already been cleared for a solid 10. So we'll definitely see what happens in that version. Are we going to get Zeke again? Are we going to be following uh, William Shank and see what's going on? Is he going to be the new, uh, you know, for sure, like copycat jigsaw killer? Is it going to be like a crew of copycat killers who, like William said, that they believe in this symbol that John was speaking about and that this that the spiral has so much power in it? So let's just review this, shall we? Spiral. Is it a continuation of Saw? No, it's not. And I think that when you go into this film, you have to forget about that. You have to not try to string all of them together because this one's not going to be like that. It's not like the other ones. This one's kind of branching out to its own. So while it says it's from the Book of Saul, I think that's a very fitting way to explain it. Because if you go in there like me, um, which I, I, I knew was a little bit different, but I really tried to, you know, make it what I wanted to make it. It might not be the best experience. Even even so, I wouldn't change my rating of a four or a five for this film. It just wasn't for me. I would watch it again. I wouldn't pay to watch it again, but I would watch it again just for the opening scenes. I, I, I really liked it, and I love Samuel Jackson, so I'll definitely watch anything he's in at least twice. Um, there is going to be a, another one. They already green, greenlit Saw 10. So I'm very curious to see what that's going to be. Are we going to bring back Will? How's that going to be? What's going on with Zeke? You know, how is he dealing with the death of his father, especially the way that all went down? I have a I'm just very, very curious of what these writers are going to do with these characters.
Now, even though it's a horror film, I still got some fun facts and trivia for y'all. Now, Chris Rock is a fan of the Saw films and pitched the idea to Lionsgate. As a result, they made him both an executive producer and story writer. The typical Jigsaw puppet is absent in this film, and in his place is a pig puppet. For the first time, Jigsaw doesn't appear on screen or even a voiceover. Zeke's name is a direct reference to Samuel Jackson's character Jules in Pulp Fiction. Side note, if you have not seen Pulp Fiction, go watch Pulp Fiction. You should see, have seen that by now. It's, it's a movie staple. This film grossed $12 million in opening weekend from a $20 million budget. Thank you for tuning into this episode of Pineapple Reels. If you would like to follow me on Instagram, that handle will be at Pineapple Reels. And if you have any comments or suggestions for movies or TV shows, go ahead and email me, pineapplereels at gmail.com. And for the next episode, I'll be covering the recently debuted A Quiet Place 2. We've been waiting for about three years for this, people. And I saw it last night, and I have a lot to say. Stay tuned. <laughs>